0: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.
1: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. (laughs) I love that.
0: A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
3: ski slopes. Let's
0: do it. Um, Tanner, girl go shopping? Wait,
4: did we just invent
3: California?
0: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle podcast on the Eight Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Yeah, check me out. Thank you for that. Uh, Syndicated out of San Francisco, nationally, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's always great to have Jay Moore on the show, had him at the Super Bowl radio row. He's been in studio before get him on the horn and uh, we're talking to him because he'll be in town here at the punchline headlining, uh, this weekend, uh, weekend as well. Uh, Jay, welcome back to the uh, show, man. And I was just wondering during the pandemic, did you do a lot of those zoom things or outdoor rooftop shows, or did you kind of just hunker down?
2: Hey
3: buddy. Good to be back. I did a, I did a few of those shows. I did one like uh, at a, uh, in a carport from the back of a pickup truck. But mostly I was in rehab. I went to rehab during quarantine. Not. I don't advise it. I don't advise anybody go uh, unless you really need it, which I did. I was addicted to Adderall, bro. Mm. Woo! I was a speed freak, my man. But not today.
1: All so...
3: questions are open. You know me.
1: Yeah, no, I know. That's what we love about you, too, is this transparency. But uh, now, now that we can laugh about it together, what was it? Uh, I mean, how bad did it get?
3: Uh, my agent said he would never book me at stand-up comedy anymore. He said when I was in Arizona, I was a mess. I was on stage. I was shaking. I was missing teeth. I was all sweaty. Couldn't remember my punchlines. The audience saw out a comment card saying I was a bum. And that scared me because... I thought the weekend went great. I made a lot of money, and I spent two nights with a hooker named Meow Meow. I don't look. I don't know if Meow Meow is her Christian name. You know, it maybe it's Meow Smith or her driver's license says Donna Meow Abramowitz. I'm just saying that's how disconnected from reality I was. I made 14 Gs, and I was crushing it. I like it raw with Meow Meow. I miss Meow Meow
1: yeah that um it's funny because if you're in phoenix- all it is is like uh you know uh, wives of dentists and doctors who are who are trying to cheat on them, but you still forked out for the hooker huh
3: yeah i was uh you know i was a deplorable person i didn't <laughs> you know i uh my intervention you can't just tell a com- you know a drug addict like hey we're all going to meet in uh uncle jesse's uh, i don't know why i said uncle jesse dukes a hazard fan mm-hmm. we're all going to meet in uncle daniel's uh living room tomorrow morning because you, you, you can't outthink a drug addict we're like nah something's up so they told me to get me to my own intervention from my podcast i would be interviewing Riza. Ghostface Killer, and Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan at my house at 8 in the morning. And I was so high, I believed them. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to a lot of gangster rap, yeah. uh, Rick, but they're not morning people.
1: Yeah, but the, I actually had Riz on my show not too long ago. He was doing a movie about the uh, the Ninth Ward down in uh, down New Orleans. So, yeah, I was, I was believing you there for a second.
3: He's my favorite member. Uh, he's the member. People don't realize that. No Riz or no Wu.
1: Yeah, I know. Everybody thought it was about uh, Old Dirty Bastard, but uh, that was just because he had the coolest name.
3: I like when Old Dirty Bastard's album cover was his uh, welfare card, and then the <laughs> government busted him. It's like, wait a minute, you're making millions of dollars, you're still collecting welfare? I love that he had the hustle going. If you can, it's not. What Mark Gray say? If you're not cheating, you're not trying.
1: Yeah, I remember a professional athlete who I'll leave nameless was making millions of dollars, and he got busted for stealing all these cell phones at the mall and, oh. uh, and off the record, I'm like, dude, you could buy all the cell phones in the world. And he goes, paying for them ain't fun.
5: Yeah, he might have
3: some issues himself, there, but hey, <laughs> if I don't know what's good for me, I don't know what's good for him. All right. You're so be at the,
1: yeah, I, was, I was sorry to interrupt, Was was there an intervention or did, was this yeah. all you looked in the mirror and you did it yourself?
3: Hell no. I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I, uh. I sounded like Al Pacino. I'm Al. I'm a drug addict. I can't do this by myself. I am powerless over drugs. My life has become unmanageable. I had an intervention March 11th. This year, my agent did the intervention, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, I talk a lot about it when I'm on stage. Uh, You know, you you know me a while, so it's like, if I'm not transparent, (laughs) what do I got? I got nothing. That's why my shows are the best.
1: You know, it's funny. Somebody just sent me the meme today, and it's fitting. I'm having you on the show, and it's Christopher Walken. It says, "Walking in a Winter Wonderland. It's very yeah, funny. Yeah,
3: walking in a Winter Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity.
1: <laughs> I remember when you were doing Walken doing, I think it was Skittles, and you went, Passion Fruit. I just...
3: Passion Fruit, Lemon Lime. <laughs> you know, the story about that is, when I did Christopher Walking for Skittles on Saturday Night Live, it had a lot of things going against it. The host <laughs> wasn't in it. There was no women in it. And I was in it. So, and it was just this strange thing. It was supposed to be 50 seconds. When we did it in dress rehearsal, it timed out to 50 seconds. So they smushed it in between a sketch and wow. weekend update instead of going to commercial. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the impression, it's such a weird off-meter, the way he talks, there's pauses, of course. And then the laughs come late and weird, so you gotta pause for that, of course. yeah. And then when it was over, I get this big applause, and I'm like, oh man, I've made it. I've finally arrived year two at Saturday Night Live, and I walk back to my dressing room, and Lauren's standing there holding an Amstel light, he goes, that was a minute 20. <laughs> I'm like, okay, back to the salt mine.
1: Yeah. Oh. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember a sketch that you guys did. It was kind of like this outer space thing, and and Farley was running up into the spaceship, <laughs> and his pants fall down. And I see you, like I think you turned to Tim Meadows, and you're like, "Look, his pants fell down."
3: <laughs> it, was, it was with Dion Sanders when he came on to you know bust out his award winning music. <laughs> Must be the money. Oh yeah. And yeah, we were, just every time we went into the spaceship, they raped us. <laughs> <laughs> Like, David Spade came out with bitch written on his forehead in lipstick. And Farley went up the stairs to the spaceship, and his parents fell down. It's like you couldn't control yourself with Farley. He was the greatest force of comedy ever. Apologies to Belushi, to whomever. Uh I don't think you're ever going to top Farley.
1: Now, and that's the thing. I remember one time, Norm, rest of the soul, he said that, Farley said, I want to be like Belushi. And, and Norm said, but you're funny all the time. Belushi wasn't funny when he wasn't on the air. He goes, you're always funny.
3: Glad Norm, rest in peace. You know, if anybody was going to, I was talking to Norm's opening act, my buddy Keith Reza. And it's like, if anybody was ever going to fake their own death, it would be Norm. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not dead, you know. I just wanted to see who'd come to my service. Hey, uh, Rick didn't make it. Ah, <laughs> ah what the H? <laughs> That's oh, pretty good. He was the best.
1: Oh, I know. I mean, could you, I mean, looking back now, as you said, you know, you're in the salt mine and you're fighting for time, and you got to write your own sketches. But I mean, looking back now, I mean, what a what a golden time.
3: I have zero ill will towards any amount of time I was on the show. It was
1: mm-hmm. I
3: created. Like I've learned in my life. I am the reason for all of my troubles today. When I get in the way, it, it doesn't work out. I, I got to divorce myself of that ego and just let something else take over. Let the greater good happen, man. I just uh, right now I'm just I love my life. Well, I have to say that or they kick me out of AA.
1: Uh, <laughs> I- <laughs> Give back your chip.
3: You know, sometimes I sit in meetings, and I'm like, oh, this is my third meeting of the day. This sucks. And then some lady goes, hi, I'm Mary. I'm a sex addict. I'm like, what's that now? What's going on? (laughs) Good meeting. Keep coming back, Mary. It works if you work it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I say, well, I got a meow-meow story for you.
3: (laughs) Yeah, meow-meow. (laughs) Hey,
1: Oh, man, I could talk to Jay all day, but we got to run. You need to run to the punchline, the world-famous punchline, down here on Battery Street in San Francisco, and uh, check him out. He's got shows uh, this weekend. Jay, always great having you on, man. Really appreciate it.
3: Ricky, last time I flew to San Francisco, I was going to rehab, and that was eight and a half months ago. What a difference turning my life over makes. Believe me, you come to my show, you will save the best show you've ever seen in your life. And you know me, man. I I don't say that lightly. I know it. I love you, buddy.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
2: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
1: You're listening to the Rick Tittle podcast on the Eight Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and uh, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. When we get our guest, we will uh, throw him on the air. Yeah, we were talking with uh, Chris there about that Patriots win last night in uh, Buffalo. You know, and I'm looking at the weather I'm in New York, and every year when I go, there's snow on the ground, and it says, you know, low of 37, high of 58. And I'm like, that's not bad. I'll take that, high of 58. And then they show Buffalo last night, 50-mile-per-hour snow flurries. Like, whoo, whoo, whoo. I'm like, I know that's the Canadian border and the Great Lakes and all that. It's Lake Erie, but... uh it's still not that far away from from New York City (laughs) as well. So the weather uh, could uh, be a factor, uh, no doubt about it. All right, um, it's our pleasure to uh, welcome uh, actor Michael DeVorzen to the show. He is in a new movie called uh, Deadlock, which also stars... Bruce Willis and uh, Patrick Muldoon, and um, it has just come out in theaters on digital and on demand uh, as well. Michael, welcome to the show. When I hear Bruce Willis, I feel like there's going to be guns in this. Am I right?
5: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Rick. and uh, yes, that would be an accurate intuition. <laughs> yes
1: So tell us a little guns bit about a- the blazing
5: guns a- blazing my
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the plot, please.
5: Yeah. So, uh, without giving too much away, I would say it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one man's, uh, you know, attempt at vengeance. Um, and you know, and that character's, uh, is played by Bruce Willis and and that character's name is Ron and he is the father of two boys and, um, you know, um, you have to see the opening of the movie, but basically he's a, he's a man on a mission. Uh, he's angry at the system and he is out to get, uh, vengeance at whatever cost. And I happen to be on the, on the other end of his attempt at vengeance.
1: You know, it's, um, you know, growing up when I did and I'm, um, I guess I'm about six years older than you and, uh, your dad, such a, um, successful songwriter and, uh, and composer and, and, uh, and it, it, it sits with your, as I was looking it in, it, it goes back to your, your grandfather as well, who was a very talented um, musician as well. But I just wanted to ask you how many times, because I feel like I've heard it a million times, and I like it, but how many times have you heard Nadia's theme?
5: Oh, man. <laughs> Gosh, if you knew the story behind Nadia's theme, oh, my God, you can actually see it on YouTube if you look it up, Nadia's theme and my dad's name. He tells the story of how. The that story came to be, but um, oh, I've heard it, my God, thousands of times. You know, uh, in in the house, on television, on the radio. Uh, you know, but the interesting thing about that that piece of music is it was a cue. It was a it, it was a cue for a movie called "Bless the Beast and the Children Yeah, and that's all it was. You know, it was a forgotten cue, uh, piece of music, and it's. It turned into his biggest copyright, so yeah, beautiful piece of music.
1: That was kind of a disturbing movie, too. That Bless the Beast and the Children.
5: Oh, you remember it? Oh, yeah. Well, you're, I think, one of the only people that ever saw that movie. <laughs> no, it was a Stanley Kramer movie, it, it, it didn't do as well as they had hoped, but but uh, kudos. I'm gonna tell my dad you saw the movie. Uh, uh,
1: all right, well let's talk about well, you. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You've you've got all these great acting credits and it's taken you around the world and it's sort of like with comedians now, they can go on the Tonight Show, nobody cares, but if they get on Rogan, it's a huge deal. So for you, you're in all these great movies and then and then everybody loves you in a Zip Recruiter commercial. Isn't it weird how the things that resonate with people?
5: Yes, I know. I know that that is I mean, you know That is the thing I am most recognized for because that thing was on every major, you know, uh, television station, you know, for, for every day, multiple times a day. So I, I got more calls. I got more people, you know, out in public saying, Hey, you know, then people kind of thought I really owned a restaurant. That was kind of a gig like, Hey, you didn't, I didn't know you owned a bar. Let us know where it is. We want to come have drinks. I'm like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that yeah, that is uh that's a real that was a real big uh spot and it was a great run and we really uh you know, you never know what things. Sometimes you go in, you do the best you can to execute and you work with the, the, the I bet team, you and most sometimes people Sometimes you create.
1: Yeah, I bet you most people say, "Who's Anna? Is she single?"
5: <laughs> yes, there's that too. Is this a dating <laughs> service? Wait a minute. Are they hooking up yeah, like, <laughs> That's why I think they after the first run they added uh you know, they added like little subtitles thing, you know, you know, she's looking for a job. They added something, I think, because they were probably getting feedback like, wait, what, she's coming in? Are they what,
1: huh? <laughs> Are they hooking up? Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, so they wanted to spell it out, he's the employer, she's looking for a job, guys, it's not a dating thing.
1: All right, uh, so uh, Deadlock, uh, as I mentioned, uh, thrills and spills and gunplay and and, uh, helicopters and everything else. Um, uh, For you, obviously, uh, whatever role you're going to play, if you're using uh, weapons, you want to look proficient in it. You don't want to look like you just picked it up. So have they ever sent you to one of those Dale Dye boot camp type of things?
5: Uh, No. I have never been to a... Still, die boot camp, but maybe I should. Um, (laughs) In this one, (laughs) no. In this one, I wasn't handling any weapons. Um, You know, I had some stunt stuff, taking, taking, taking punches and stuff like that. But uh, I wasn't handling any weapons. And then in the last, uh, the last two movies I did that came out earlier in the pandemic, I was uh, handling a gun. But you know, um, no, we just kind of worked it out worked
1: it out on set. And, uh, I would imagine too that, um, you know, during the pandemic when everything was, was shutting down and, you know, theater actors couldn't do anything. How, how did you stay sharp? Were you still working on projects, wearing a mask? I mean, uh, did you just kind of hunker down and live off a nest egg? What did you do?
5: Well, I had finished two movies prior to the pandemic. Um, literally one of them uh, three weeks before the shutdown. And both of those movies came out during the pandemic, Uh, Her Deadly Groom and Fast and Furious Death Race. Uh, One of them, the the thriller was with Eric Roberts and the action movies was with the late DMX, God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. Um, Those came out and, you know, I I was like kind of hoping to build on the momentum of those two movies. And then the pandemic hit, you know, we were all, Uh, locked down and and not much was happening. Um, uh, And then December of 2020, uh, I got a call uh, to be in a sci-fi movie. And and, uh, so I went and did that. And yeah, I mean, we had new protocols with COVID and wearing masks and uh, and only take the masks off when we're we're ready to roll. And, um, And then the work just kept coming. There was December and then to, to kick off the new year i did another thriller then got the call to go to georgia to do the bruce willis movie then came home did another thriller so all of that was you know when we were still uh, dealing with covid so definitely you know stricter restrictions and everybody doing the best they can to protect each other and and uh we were fortunate that you know there there were not any issues
1: yeah. Something we have in common too, uh, I was reading an article that you did um last year is that we both worship the Pink Panther movies. Is that what kind of oh, guy you started?
5: Man. God. <laughs> yeah. God Yeah. I love I love those movies. Mm-hmm. Um yes, and that and that is hundred percent accurate. That is what made me want to be an actor. Uh Peter Sellers in the old Pink Panther movies was the first time where I sent I was so fascinated with that character and with the comedy that I would just do these scenes and I would watch those movies over and over again and I just had that little seed was planted like, hey, maybe one day Mm -hmm. I could do that. And then along came Smokey and the Bandit and I particularly resonated with Jackie Gleason, the sheriff, P4T, Justice of the Law. And I guess I was always drawn to those kind of like larger than life, colorful characters. Um, And so, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I still try to watch at least one of those movies every
1: year. How could you come from my loins, boy?
5: Yeah, that's right. There is no way you and I have the same genes. <laughs> and when I get home, I'm going to put your mama right in the
1: mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't say that in Hollywood now. All right. I want uh, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We want to make sure that uh, it's just come out this week. It's called Deadlock, starring Bruce Willis and uh, also uh, Patrick Muldoon and our guest Michael DeVorzon, a rising star. Hey, better late than never, man. The career is really starting to, to kick some butt. So congratulations, Michael.
5: Rick, I appreciate you having me on the show. It was a pleasure.
3: Getting ready to take on spring?
1: You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the Eight Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. On December 14th, that is a week from today, there will be a uh, uh, new movie called The Darkness of the Road. And um, it is uh, going to be on DVD and digital and on demand on the 14th. And we're very happy to bring in the director of that film, Eduardo Rodriguez. And uh, Eduardo, first of all, um, thanks for being on the show. But secondly, as a director, because we all take from our mentors and our, 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 our influences, how much do you see yourself pulling from like a Kubrick or a Ford or a Wilder? Or do you even notice stuff like that?
4: Hey, man, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I don't know. You really don't think about that. I'm sure, like you said, we have been influenced by the movies we love and we grew up with. I grew up with all the 70s horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Shining and The Exorcist uh, on my movies. But uh, you don't really think about that. When you are uh, writing a script or coming up with a with an idea or a story, uh, I think they just permeate uh, on the on on your work, and uh, is there for other people to find out.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Let's talk about the plot of this movie, The Darkness of the Road. A single mother and her daughter driving down a very desolate road in the desert, and then trouble ensues. Right. That's right.
4: A, it is a very lonely road.
1: And the plot is she the daughter goes missing, right?
4: Yeah, basically car breaks down, it's a typical horror movie with a twist. Uh, car breaks down, uh daughter goes missing, and then there's uh, this uh mysterious hitchhiker uh who you never sure if she's there to help the mother find the, the daughter or she's involved in her disappearance. And as the story progresses, things start to get uh, a little bit weird. And there's this creature in the, uh, around them who seems to be going after the mother. And uh, she starts to put in all the pieces together at, uh, as we get closer to the ending. Mm-hmm.
1: So are you the type of director who is kind of like, look, here's the storyboard, here's our timing, here's how much light we have, here's our blocking, let's go? Or is it more of a collaborative effort where you could talk to the actors and they might say, I don't think my character would do that, I don't think my character would say that. Uh, How much of you have to stay on the straight and narrow and how much of you can you meander?
4: I'm totally open. Uh, The thing with low-budget movies is you have very little time uh, Mm -hmm. to... To shoot the movie, to do everything, basically, <laughs> to do pre-production, to shoot the movie, and to and to cut it and deliver a final, a final movie. Uh, but I'm always open to ideas from uh, not only from my actors, but from everybody, uh, from the crew, from all the departments. I think uh, I'm not the kind of guy who is like my way or the highway because ideas, good ideas, come from everywhere, and uh, if you close yourself. To that to that feedback and to that input you're I think you're missing out you know mm-hmm. um, um, I'm sure there's a, all directors out there who who don't agree and think if if you don't if you don't stick to the original idea you lose a lot of control but uh, but I don't mind I don't mind that I actually uh, uh, welcome ideas and, and, and input for, from everybody
1: sure Couple more questions for Eduardo Rodriguez. The Darkness of the Road from Uncorked Entertainment on the fourteenth. Um, are you the type of director that says, you know, let's just do that work, but let's do one more for safety, or do you want to try things three different ways? Or when you're going low budget, it's just got to like one take wonders, and you got to move on to the next thing.
4: <laughs> Pretty much, that's what it is. I mean, you always get a couple. It's, sometimes you have because if it's if it's too expensive, if a, if a car is going to flip over, you get like you said the one time. <laughs> And, and that's it. And you gotta move on, and, and you live with whatever you got. But uh, generally, you get a couple of shots, a couple of takes, and uh, and sometimes you have to do more than more than a couple, you know, because uh, it's an important moment, it's an important beat for the story, and you have to, to choose. You definitely, when you have limited resources and time, you have to to pick your battles and know exactly. Okay, well, this is really important. So i can move on until I get this right uh and sometimes it's just this is just a wide shot i'm probably not gonna be on that shot for that long so I can just move on and if it wasn't perfect or exactly the way I wanted it and, and move on to the next
1: so when you go to, to, the, to the, the when you, yeah when you go to a premiere then darkness of the road do you sit back with a big smile on your face thinking hey this is it I'm ready to go or do you sit there and bite your nails off saying why did I do this why did i do that
4: yeah, the second one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like uh, watching my movies after they're they have finished. Uh, yeah, I'm my I'm my worst enemy. I'm my I'm my my toughest critic. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm that kind of guy who sits back there and be like, God damn, this is not this is not right. Why did I do this? I could have done this better. That kind of thing.
1: Have you ever had an, a a uh not so much a fight, but just a strong disagreement with maybe your director of photography about how some you want it shot, and they're telling you you don't know what you're talking about. It won't come out that way. We got to shoot it like this, something like that.
4: Uh, not in a in a wild because I tend to work with the same people all the time. So, like with my DP uh, John DeFazio, I've been working with him for 15 years. Uh, with my composer, it's been 20 years. Of collaboration, so I, I, there's a point when, my composer, I don't even talk to him anymore. I just send him the movie, and here it is, and score the this thing the way you you, you do, you know. Uh, so when you build a relationship with your with your key with the heads of the, of the, of those departments, you don't really argue that much anymore because you you build that trust and we kind of like know exactly what, how, what the other one is going to do and how we're going to operate. So we sit down, we talk about the look of the movie, especially for, for darkness. We wanted to experiment with only having three colors in the movie. That was something that we'd never done before. And we were like, well, what about if we keep it really basic and we only have blues, reds and yellows. And uh, and he made a little like, a, like a, a, I don't remember if it was a Barbie toy car, but it was a couple of uh, Barbie dolls on a, on a mock-up of a car, and he kind of like lit it at his apartment with the, with the gels. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to go for. And we were both happy, and, uh, and then the rest was just going to, to set and uh, applying the, the stuff that we discussed. And I think we, we uh, storyboard a couple of scenes, uh, the ones that require visual effects and stuff, but mo- mostly it was just a shot list, and, and that was it. So yeah, we don't we don't argue uh,
1: anymore, that'd be pretty cool. though. Probably
4: at the beginning, right. yeah.
1: but taken out of uh, taken out of context to see the the video of you guys playing with Barbie dolls would be pretty cool. <laughs>
4: yes, yeah, there you go. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't think that exists. So,
1: uh, so. it'll be so on the uh, the DVD extras.
4: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: And then um, finally, uh, what kind of reception have you received so far from people who've seen it?
4: It's been a mixed bag, and there's just people. I think it's one of those uh, movies that you either like or hate, and uh, it's it's been both of those. It's been uh, um, on both sides of the of the of the equation. There's people who really like it, and there's people who like passionately hated it, uh, which I'm fine with. Um, I don't make movies for everybody to like. I make movies to entertain people, and uh, if some people get entertained by them than a mission accomplished. You know, I don't don't take it personal.
1: Well, I got to tell you, I give you mad respect because I've been doing this for years, and every time I've asked that question about what the response has been like, people usually say, oh, it's tremendous. It's been great. And you're like, oh, some some people passionately hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah,
4: absolutely. There there was a guy on one of the test screenings who said, like, "I, I like to torture my audience. I was like, no, man. I don't think uh, I don't think this what I'm going for. Uh, but yeah, he he was upset. So uh, so yeah, we got we got uh, a bunch of those.
1: There he is, the most mm-hmm. honest director in Hollywood, Eduardo Rodriguez. <laughs> the <laughs> film is called The Darkness of the Road. It's going to premiere on DVD and digital December 14th from Uncorked Entertainment. Eduardo, congratulations on the film and thanks for coming by, man.
4: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on your show.
1: This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast